0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Design podcast. I'm your host, Robert Nieminen, and thanks, as always, for tuning in. Uh, It's hard to believe we're already into February of this year, and if you've been tracking with us for the past couple of episodes, uh, you've been introduced to some of our new advisory board members and a few of our familiar friends as well uh, to find out what these experts have been observing about the design industry and where it's headed, as well as some personal reflections on the work that they do uh, day in and day out. As you all know, INS has been actively involved in reporting on sustainability and wellness for years. So as we look to 2021, we wanted to include someone on the board who could help us keep our pulse on what's happening in terms of health, especially in light of the pandemic now, and how that impacts interiors and the work that you all do. And we couldn't think of anyone more appropriate to be part of our team of advisors than my guest today. So with me is one of our newest board members, Jessica Cooper, Chief Commercial Officer for the International Well-Building Institute. Jessica, it's so good to see you. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks, Robert, for having me.
0: Yeah, well, uh, where are you dialing in today from? I see it looks like in your background, you uh, look like you could be in a cabin or somewhere uh, in the woods. (laughs) That's
1: right. I'm typically based in Brooklyn, New York, and this is not Brooklyn. Um, I'm in upstate (laughs) New York though, in the Finger Lakes region in a small town called Watkins Glen
0: very very cool yeah and are you guys snowed in as well or uh very
1: much we probably got about 18 inches here um yeah. and it's 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 beautiful when it snows honestly yeah. I, I call this season stick season okay all the leaves fall off the trees and you're just seeing sticks everywhere um and stick season is a lot more enjoyable when it's covered in snow so yeah. we're thankful yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, I can't say I relate. I'm down here in South Florida where it's a chilly 50 or 60 degrees for me, but I'm, I'm a native. So, you know, I'm kind of a wimp when it comes to the cold weather, but anyway.
1: Hey, it's all relative, right? It's exactly,
0: that. exactly. But uh, yeah, but things are looking up. It's 2021, new year, new directions uh, for pretty much everything. So uh, this is yeah, this is a great time to have a conversation about you know about the future, uh, what you see happening in the industry. Um, and I just kind of wanted to have a conversation just with you to get to know you a little bit better, what motivates you, uh, things like that. So uh, with that, why don't we kick things off? And if you want to tell us a little bit about you know, sort of what what motivates you to do the work that you every day for the International Well-Building Institute, like, you know, where do you find your inspiration and purpose?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And I guess I'll start with um, a statement that ASID has sort of tagged in terms of um, their mission is is that design matters. And to me, as an interior designer by training, I've always been driven from that principle that the choices we make as designers have an impact on people, as well as the environment too. And so I've um, tried to create a career for myself that at first was very much focused on environmental sustainability, and then um, more recently, like within the last 10 years, um, added on this second wave um, focuses on human sustainability. And so for me, um, I just am motivated every single day by being able to make evidence-based informed decisions on promoting good health and well-being, and then tying that human health piece to also promoting um, uh, environmental sustainability as well. So, you know, I think key to that is being empowered with research and evidence, right? It's one thing to have good intentions, but to be able to back up those good intentions with the research and evidence that almost makes um, the conversation, you realize it's a must have, not a nice to have. And I think that can be really empowering, um, certainly for me as a designer, but for all of us at IWBI and the way that we guide clients to making better choices. Um, And then beyond that, you know, working at IWBI, I really get to impact change at scale Mm -hmm. and preventatively too, right? I mean, we're about promoting health and enabling people to thrive. Um, So our goal is to position people for success and avoid challenges wherever possible, Um, you know, and, and being able to do that across whole organizations or across thousands of clients around the world, that ability to impact change at scale feels really um, you know, humbling, but also really, really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've thought for years here, you know, as, as the sustainability movement has become, you know, so much more mainstream that, um, you know, now this is this focus on health and wellness just seems to be like the next logical progression in that movement, um, where we have always talked about, you know, the 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 triple bottom line of people, planet, profit, you know, and it seems like we're finally getting to that people component where, where there's so much focus on, on how, you know, buildings and and interiors um, can impact occupant health. How would you describe your design philosophy and who are some of the people like mentors or colleagues that have kind of helped shape that along the way?
1: Yeah. Um, I think fundamentally my design philosophy comes down to a very simple fact, which is the realization that our choices matter. And we can decide to make good choices or not so good choices. And so I guess to sum it up, our choices matter, so let's make good choices. And actually this came from, um, I guess you could call it a, a mentor or um, a shining light. In, in my college days, my final year of college, um, we only had one sustainability course to take at the time. Um, it wasn't as prevalent as it is today. And um, it was a sustainable design course, but the first assignment was to read the book Ishmael, by Daniel Quinn, and as I read that book, light bulbs just went off for me. Of like, we have as humans a real impact on environment on the environment, but also on the health and well being of one another. Mm-hmm. And I realized as I was about to graduate from school that my responsibility was going to be to make choices on behalf of my clients. And if I learned more about sustainable design practices and now about healthy design practices that I could make better choices. And so I think it was that initial light bulb moment that made me say like our choices matter and we should make good choices. Um, So I work hard every day to just make a positive difference in people's lives and for future generations as well. And I firmly believe that taking as holistic an approach as possible is obviously the way to have the greatest value or the greatest impact on an individual's life. And I mean, we could get into the technicalities of the well-building standard, but you know, we promote a, a very holistic perspective on health and the ways in which you can um, support health. But I also really believe that even making a little difference can go a long way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's especially relevant now with COVID, You know, just taking a couple of steps forward from a risk prevention standpoint or a health and safety standpoint. And in the future, as we go back into our workplaces, um, doing a little bit to promote mental health through design or through policies that that can make a huge difference overall. Um, And then I guess I'll say one other sort of tagline I live by, which is, if you can, you must um and that actually came from a a late yoga teacher of mine um and he used to always say that in practice that you know you are here by choice but not always will you be in difficult situations by choice Mm. but if you're there and you can make a positive positive difference you must and to me that sort of keeps me going like I have tools and I should use them to make a positive impact so
0: yeah, absolutely. That's a great imperative. It's kind of like that, you know, the think global, act local, you know, just make those choices like you're saying, you know, and that little bit will eventually add up to a lot when everybody kind of does that collectively. But um, so thinking about, you know, the year ahead into 2021, um, what are some things right now that you are kind of excited about, like opportunities, um, you know, just just any kind of, uh, you know, forward thinking? What are some bright lights that you see on the horizon?
1: Opportunities. Well, coming out of the pandemic is one that I hope it's <laughs> on the table for 2021.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's actually my birthday today. Oh, um, and I woke up birthday. and it was a sunny day and I thought to myself, what a perfect present to be able to celebrate my birthday with sun in the sky, and those of you on listening in who are from upstate New York know that that is a true rarity. Um, so I will say that I think 2021 has uh, brighter things in store for all of us, um, which I'm really excited about. Um, in terms of the work we're doing at IWBI, of course, we've been very focused on supporting in the fight against COVID as, in any way that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've done a number of things to do that, but um, looking forward in 2021, we'll continue to support our clients in that way. But we've also got a couple of new things on the radar that are, that are really exciting. Um, so number one, um, we are looking at branching outside of the health safety issues we've been focused on for the last 12 months and thinking about things like, Um, equity and diversity and inclusion. So we'll be standing up a health equity advisory this year, which is super exciting. Um, We've also got some fun stuff on our radar related to homes and promoting healthier homes. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, And in general, I think um, as we come out of the pandemic and have to worry less about the risks of infectious diseases, we can get back to other really important topics like mental health, like I said, equity, um, but also meeting some of the higher performance standards in in air quality and lighting, Um, and then thinking about enterprise scale change. I mean, if there's one thing that the past year has taught us, it's that um, organizations have a role to play in protecting human health and well-being, and I hope that that realization stays within the mentality of the way leaders are leading today and that they take the health safety commitment they've made over the last 12 months and extend that to other broader um, and more widely sort of universal health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the concerns, um, I suppose, I mean, <laughs> I see these potentially as opportunities, a eternal optimist in me, but um, you know, I think um, there's a lot of uncertainty ahead of us in terms of the way we will return into different types of environments. and what will need to be supported in those environments. Um, There's also uncertainty related to how much this physical health issue, this pandemic that we faced over the last 12 months ends up impacting our mental health. And I think we'll have big challenges to solve as it relates to mental health, longer lasting mental health issues in the future. Um, But the opportunity is that designers are naturally innovative and we are born problem solvers. And so I think that the way of thinking that we as, you know, the way that designers approach problems and challenges has never been more important. Um, And I think that we're going to be called to help evolve our spaces to support an evolved way of living and working. Mm. How does the home change? How does the office change? How do our schools change? Um, The world is really going to need some healing. That's very clear. Um, And I think design can help with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You know, I mean, so many points you just made there, and and on the equity piece that you mentioned. Um, you know, I spoke with uh, your colleague Rachel Gutter. Uh, I interviewed her for an article that we're publishing in Jan, Feb, uh, our our upcoming issue on you know that equity component and making sure that you know the wellness uh, design imperatives are are more equally distributed and and nobody's you know getting left behind for that. And and as she mentioned and and you touched on as well. I mean, it's such a such a large problem to deal with designers if anybody if i know them you know are going to be the ones to step up so and yeah so thanks for touching on the the concerns as well because that was my follow-up question but um and i think you know you you kind of touched on this a little bit but um what other maybe design trends uh, do you think we'll we'll be seeing in the next few years obviously we've heard a lot about cleanability as far as spaces but um what else do you think might might shift uh as far as you know commercial spaces go
1: Yeah. um, I really like the term making the invisible visible. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that's become increasingly important over the last year and will probably continue to be very important. And that I think encroaches on the design scope in very meaningful ways. Um, The less design savvy way to do that is to just create, you know, terrible signage that helps people understand that the space has been cleaned or that the air is being purified and so on and so forth. And I think that there's actually a huge opportunity to communicate through design Um, the the great, strategies that are being in, put into place to protect health safety issues. So that could be you know better designed signage, for example, um, but also could be um, you know environmental nudges that help make the healthier choice the easier choice, whether that has to do with health safety issues and protecting the spread of infectious diseases or, or broader health opportunities. Mm. Um, I also think that there's going to continue to need to be um, fl- more flexibility. Um, and the ability to make spaces more adaptable in the future. I mean, it's interesting. I think the most common way to think about why we might need to return to work is to collaborate, engage, and innovate. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think there's gonna be a huge need for certain people to get back into the workplace to focus. Not every home is conducive to focus work and the workplace is gonna continue to need to evolve to respond to different types of tasks um, and then different ways people need to use those spaces Throughout the day, and then finally, I really do believe that health is going to continue to be at the forefront. Um, I I think it's going to be difficult to ignore the role that you know places and spaces, but also organizations play in promoting human health. And I hope that, um, like I said, the commitment that we've seen to help protect against healthy health safety issues in light of COVID will expand um, to think more broadly: mental health, equity, you know, good lighting quality, better acoustics, uh, biophilia, and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So you touched on this a little bit uh, when you were talking about some of the initiatives that are are coming out from IWBI, but, um, you know, what's next for you either personally or for IWBI? What else can you talk about as far as what's upcoming?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think fundamentally our mission has always been to help everyone everywhere prioritize people first places. And, you know, we are focused more now than ever on engaging our purpose-driven community to do that, right? I mean, there's just more and more people knocking on our door, asking for resources, asking for support to to put in place these powerful strategies. And and we are excited to sort of deploy and engage the community to to do that important work. Um, I mentioned that we just launched two advisories, the Health Equity Advisory and the Well for Homes Advisory. So those will be, Two very important initiatives that we'll be partnering with our community on in the coming year. Um, You may have seen as well, we just launched a pretty major uh, public awareness campaign, Mm -hmm. um, which is helping us educate more people about how their environment affects their health and really empowering them to make improvements and or ask the right stakeholders to help them make improvements. Um, And then beyond that, I mean, I think our goal is to really enable organizations to think about making enterprise scale change. Um, it's a long-term journey. Health is that recognizes um, an incremental approach. I like the the fitness analogy a lot. You mm-hmm. can't go to the gym once expect to get fit and then never go back to the gym again, right? It's like right. a daily active pursuit. Uh, and same goes for health and well-being. So we're looking at new ways to enable that more incremental change over time and empowering organizations to address every building everywhere, every person everywhere with you know little things that can make enhancements that then add up over time to a, a much more holistic and impactful perspective. So um, lots of fun stuff to be working on. Yeah,
0: absolutely. No. And I love that analogy of just, you know, doing the gym and, and and just kind of doing that incremental change. Because I think a lot of times we think about, you know, these big picture ideas of wellness and and sustainability and climate change. And it's like, my gosh, it's just you. we have to tackle everything right now, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. it is those those little steps. And as you look back and go, wow, we've made you know, huge strides in that. And I, and I just look back at the sustainability movement, you know, when I started with the magazine in um, 2002, it, it was still kind of a grassroots thing, you know, um, LEED had just been released, you know, what is, I think it was in 2000. And now you look at it, and it's, you know, however many millions of square feet have been certified. So yeah, it, it's really interesting to see how those, just those little things begin to add up. And, and yeah, I think, you know, down the line here, we will see massive change, uh, as far as, Uh, getting health and wellness uh, in in the built environment, just at a much larger scale, as you mentioned. So
1: I agree. And I think it's going to be, you know, a few years from now, we'll look back and say, how are we not doing, you know, how are we not doing this, Right,
0: right. Uh, but
1: it will take time. And, and I agree. It is, it's the small things that add up over time. So, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, I wanted to close out with just a little bit more of a kind of fun fact sort of thing on something a little personal. Like, uh, I was just hoping you could share with us, like maybe something like what's your favorite Instagram account that you follow, or once, you know, kind of travel restrictions lift, is there a particular city you want to visit? Um, favorite, podcast or book or anything along those lines so what can you what can you, oh, what can you so tell many
1: good questions we could have a whole session on all of that okay yeah. so favorite instagram account of course right. i'm gonna put in a plug for well certified yeah um, <laughs> definitely follow well certified it's a good one yes but in addition to well certified i actually love following photographers yeah and basically yeah. outdoor adventurists and just seeing where they are what they're capturing and it's i just find it incredibly beautiful and inspiring also sometimes funny. Um, yesterday, I was scrolling through my account and saw um, one of the outdoor adventurists in his car with his alpacas. And, you know, he's sitting in the front seat, just smiling like a normal human. And then right. you've got the alpaca in the back, like with a huge grin, furry face. And I was like, that's exactly what I needed today. So, right. you <laughs> know, funny. things like that. But it also does help me dream about where I would go next. And I guess to answer that that other question, um, I was I was meant to take a honeymoon. Um hmm last fall. So it was sort of a delayed honeymoon from our wedding and we were planning to go to the Mediterranean and uh, we yeah. put that on hold of course. So I mm-hmm. think that that'll probably be our next big trip once, once it's safe to travel and move around the world again.
0: Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. I've always wanted to go to the Mediterranean as well. So hopefully things will open up soon. Um, anyway, well, Jessica, thank you so much for sharing uh, your insights as well. As some of your personal thoughts it's been really interesting just speaking with you and thank you again for being part of our advisory board. Uh, we love having you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Well, for our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in and listening into our conversation. Uh, you can learn more about some of our uh, new board members by checking us out on our Instagram account as well, where we'll be posting a few of the Q and A's with them. Uh, you can follow us at the handle at I and S design. Uh, that's it for today's episode, friends. And as always, be well, everyone.